Support for WRFA is brought to you by Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union. As a local community resource, Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union is committed to providing its members with the professional financial services they have come to expect. Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union provides credit union membership to people who live, work, worship, attend school, do business, and any other entities within Chautauqua County. For more information, including how to become a member, call or text 716-665-7000 or visit them on the web at 665-7000.com. And again, you are listening to Community Matters. The Robert H. Jackson Center selected Democracy on Trial as its programming theme for 2022. We spoke with Center President Kristen McMahon about the programming related to that theme coming up, including the return of the Living Voices program. We have Robert H. Jackson Center's President Kristen McMahon with us in the studio today. Thank you, Kristen, for stopping by. It's so lovely to be here. So the Jackson Center has chosen as its programming theme for the year Democracy on Trial. So I was looking forward to hearing more about why this theme has been chosen and and why it's important as well. So we were fielding a fair number of questions over the last couple years about democracy and our place and how we work in it. And so it seemed uh, actually a little bit presciently timed because I think up the program themes April or May of the year before, so we can really start planning for them. So not quite a little bit later than this time last year is when this is what we committed to in terms of a program theme. And what we are exploring under it are the pressures on democratic and democratic institutions and democracy itself, but also the opportunities for it and the challenges um, that that they face as well, because it is it's a global challenge. It's not just here in the United States. Uh, The first Tea Time guest that we hosted in January was the Varieties of Democracy Institute. And so they actually make a study of democracy around the world and how it is faring and how it is changing. And uh, actually just this morning, March 2nd, they released their report for this year. So I've not had a chance to read that yet, uh, but looking forward to seeing that. And really thinking about national events at well global events with what's happening with seeing uh, ukraine's democracy being threatened by russia with the invasion well done <laughs> i really can't think of any other way you, you you could have had no idea that this is what we you would be talking about in march 2nd 2022 when you're coming forward with this program it really it is very interesting to see what is happening it, it, it's hard sometimes to step back and look at it i want to say clinically but really i mean we are getting quite a lesson right now and in terms of uh, of the programming that you are going forward with from from you know starting now in March forward, what are some of the things that your people you're bringing in to talk that will relate back to this thing? So we during the pandemic we started a virtual program series called Tea Time with the Jackson Center, and so we bring in. I will say, honestly, it's largely professors, uh, but not always. Sometimes it's practitioners and whatever is we're talking about. And obviously that changes from year to year and theme to theme. But we are talking. So over the course of this year in the Tea Time programs, we will be talking about things such as voting rights. Actually, we just did that in February. We'll be taking a look at why is it important for the judiciary to have diversity on it? Uh, and that's diversity at all levels and also all levels of the judiciary. Um, we'll be taking a look at the conversations around the filibuster and what changing that might mean. Um, we'll also be looking at uh, the role 
executive power. That's one of Justice Jackson's most famous opinions is defining what executive power is. And uh, so we'll be taking a look at that. And then we're also sticking then with some of our larger programming. So we, and I tend to call this the the Jackson in-depth programming. Um, and it is, for those, we will be talking about um, the role of the federal prosecutor. We will be looking at, we're working on a program right now to talk about the Olympics and international human rights and what, what obligations there are there. Uh, and so, you know, to get into some specifics, the Tea Times air on the fourth Thursday of every month on Facebook on our Facebook page uh, live, and then on uh, April first, we are doing a seminar called Robert H. Jackson: The Federal Prosecutor Legacy. For those who are attorneys who are listening to this, there we are applying for CLE credit for that. And if you are not a, an attorney, it will still be very interesting. Our keynote speaker uh, for the first session will be Trini Ross, who is the current United States attorney for the Western District of New York. She uh, just took her seat last fall, October 11th, I believe. And she's the first woman of color to hold that position in the Western District. And so that's, that's very exciting. And then there will also be a play read about the trial of Al Capone. So looking historically at the federal prosecutor role, uh, it is the, the play itself is based on a trial that never actually happened. So it's an entirely fictitious account, but it's, it's, a, it's a thought piece or, or a play on uh, what would have happened or what Al Capone's trial might look like if he'd been put on trial for the St. Valentine's Day massacre in 1929. So that'll be a little bit entertaining. Um, and then we also, uh, we have for many years offered a program called Living Voices, and we have focused that largely on school students, elementary and middle and high school. And this year we are starting to offer some evening performances as well, because I think uh, the conversations are always interesting. The actor or actress is very adept at modifying it to whatever the interest level or knowledge level of the audience is. So on March 8th at 7 p.m., we will have a program uh, that's about the civil rights movement. Um, and then uh, that's at 7 p.m. And then on March 9th, we're offering that same program at 10 a.m. And, and 1 p.m. And then in April, we are offering a Living Voices program about the Japanese internment. And so uh, in each of these uh, performances, what you will hear from the actor is they put themselves in the shoes of someone actually going through that at the time. So they take on the character of someone who is participating in the civil rights movement and who has been interned in a, in a Japanese camp. Um, and the programs in April are on Thursday, April 7th at 7 p.m. and Friday, April 8th, also at 10 and 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. Thinking about some of the, especially the tea time topics you're talking about and things going forward, there are a lot of things. I don't know if it was planned this way or reactionary uh, with President Biden having um, appointment going forward for the Supreme Court. A woman of color would be the first woman of color to sit on the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, first, first African-American. First right? African-American. Yes. I, I apologize. <laughs> yes, the first African-American. Yes, that's right, because uh, Judge Sotomayor is, is um, uh, Latino. Yes. So, uh, so, yeah, this... Very interesting times, and in between that, and a lot of people. I mean, you're talking about executive powers. I mean, goodness, there's been so many discussions about what, not just what a president can do. What can a governor do? What are an executive powers? You know, how far can they go, and are they going too far in recent times? So, very interesting topics. Looking forward to you know hearing more uh, about those in the coming coming weeks and all that. And sure, it'd be very interesting for a lot of folks that have 
been wondering some some of the same comments too. Uh, if you go around social media, you certainly get your fill. Yes, <laughs> and that honestly, that's part of what prompted the the theme for this year as well. Because I also feel as if there's a fair amount of confusion, and we tend to use words like fascist and Nazi and crimes against humanity and things like that without really understanding the historical context of them. And so that's part of what this year is also designed to break down is let's really, like when we're talking about these things, let's really know what we're talking about. And so we're also trying to offer programs at sort of all levels. So you don't have to be a deep Jackson scholar to to come to this. You don't have to, if, if you're just curious about it, please come. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that is, well, World War II and then the Nuremberg Trials was, 70, 70 years ago? 75. 75 years ago. How it's still so relevant right now with when Russia invaded Ukraine. I don't remember which country it was I saw, but someone had put forward, you know, referencing Nuremberg and concern about what is happening in Ukraine and, you know, going forward and, you know, saying there are war crimes happening here. What, what is the process? We're going to go forward and, and go after Russia for this. And something that that happened 75 years ago still is so very relevant and it's important we're very lucky to have robert h jackson center here to keep us going forward with what is happening well and it's pretty amazing when you think about it that uh he created the trials and obviously not just him alone it was a a coalition of of allied forces but created the Nuremberg trials out of basically nothing. They had to create what the crimes were. They had to define the rules of evidence and how the process and procedures would work. One of the things he was actually not able to get into those crimes was he wanted to make war illegal. He wanted to figure out a way to inhibit it as much as possible. And that was a crime that they ultimately decided was awfully hard to define and and figure out what the rules of engagement around that would be and so that wasn't uh that wasn't a crime that ultimately made it into uh into the defi- the defined crimes themselves but there is a there is the crime of aggressive war and so that is i think what people are referencing now with russia's invasion of ukraine is that this was unprovoked this was you deciding that this should be yours and uh moving in to take it hmm. and yeah thinking about it was well Optimistically, it would have been great to say, you know, war is illegal. But, and we've seen ways, in a sense, countries abiding by that. You know, no one has gone in and sent troops from other countries after Russia from outside of Ukraine. Uh, we've seen the economic sanctions happen. We've seen other ways that they've gone after Russia that aren't military based per se. But although that one could argue, well, if you're supplying military supplies to Ukraine, it gets a little iffy there because you are supporting. A country, but then you could come around and say, "Well, this is a sovereign country that has been attacked by another country, and just you know, unjustly." So, really, I yeah, it's, it's didn't anticipate when we scheduled this interview <laughs> several weeks Fair. ago that yes. all this would be happening, and and here you know, we have all this opportunity to, to um, hear discussion at the Robert H. Jackson Center. And one thing I noticed, and I know you've had other programs in person, so what are people who want to come to the Robert H. Jackson Center for in-person programming? Is there anything they should be aware of? Obviously. Everything with the pandemic and COVID has changed greatly, even in the last week. But is there anything they should be aware of? Correct. No, we are still open from 830 to 430. We have docents on duty from 10 until 2. You're also certainly welcome to wander through at your own pace without a docent uh, leading you through. Uh, We, up until yesterday, were still strongly encouraging masks. Masks are now optional. Um, You know, obviously, whatever you feel you need to do to be healthy and to be safe, we encourage that. Uh, in large groups, I am still wearing a mask because I 
I don't know if I just have been over the last two years gotten more comfortable with the idea of, of that barrier, but still find it sometimes a little bit challenging to be in large groups of people without it. Uh, so for me, it's a little bit of a safety net, but um, you know, we are we are open and looking forward to people coming in to visit us. Mm-hmm. We get into the summer season around here. We see a lot of different activity just because we are uh, have a heavy tourism industry in the county and a lot of people coming from outside the area, plus with Chautauqua Institution starting up their programming. Is there anything you can give us a preview for what may be happening this summer? Yep, absolutely. We will be opening a new exhibit in, I believe, early to mid-April. Uh, and it is based on some of the documents and records that we have from Father Fuchs, who, although wasn't a Catholic priest at the time, was Justice Jackson's bodyguard in Nuremberg, and he retained a fair number of documents. And so the exhibit is currently called The Paper Trail of a Trial. And so you get the sense of, here are all the things that really go into making a trial happen. And our volunteer archivist, Rachel Kaczynski, is putting that together for us. And then the 18th annual Robert H. Jackson Lecture on the Supreme Court has been set at Chautauqua Institution. That will be on July 11th at 3.30 p.m. Uh, Reva Siegel, who is a professor of law at Yale University, will be the, the speaker for that. And looking forward to her recap of this year's Supreme Court session. Um, she is also an expert in reproductive rights, since we are anticipating that there will be a significant reproductive rights case decision handed down before the end of this term. Uh, And so that will also, I have to imagine, be a particular focus for her. Hmm. Is there anything else that is happening with the center or coming up that we should, that you would want to talk about? Uh, We're actually doing a little bit of construction at the moment. So uh, we are working on really rehabbing the upstairs rooms, offices, so we can move the offices on the first floor upstairs and turn those two rooms on the first floor back into exhibit and meeting space. Um, And that is uh, both wonderful to see and a little bit daunting for me to figure out what am I putting in those spaces now since I am not an archivist or not an exhibits expert, Um, but looking forward to those changes and just really having the entirety of the first floor be a Jackson and be an interactive museum experience. And... As someone who has seen your office on the first floor, that's going to be quite a room for other people to get a chance to see. It's really beautiful. Uh, I am a little bit sad about leaving my office space. I have given some thought as to, do I really need to do that? Um, Because it is beautiful wood, just the bookshelves and all of the books on those shelves inspire me every day. Uh, So yeah, so it will be a little bit challenging to leave it, but it is such a beautiful space and more people should have the opportunity to experience it. It's, it's a really great size for small, small class, uh, you know, a small seminar on things. Um, uh, and also probably a really lovely place just to hold a a small meeting. So, um, looking forward to having the public being able to experience the entirety of the first floor of the Jackson Mm -hmm. Center. Well, it sounds like you are still working out some of the, of the details on this. Do you have an estimated time for when that mu- project might be completed? Um, we're hoping by the end of the spring, actually. It's a, it's a, in terms of what all needs to be done, it's a relatively light lift. Um, they have uh, been doing a fair amount of demo in the upstairs over the last couple of weeks. There was a an old kitchenette upstairs that they're turning into a bathroom. So we have more than one bathroom in the mansion side, which will be very exciting. And we won't always have to run up and down the stairs. Um, But uh, the rest of it is really just getting those rooms. They haven't really been used since we took over the center uh, in the early 2000s. So really they just needed some tech upgrades and some paint upgrades and just make sure everything is functioning correctly and a little bit of ADA compliance changes too. 
Wonderful. Savio, for anybody who hasn't been to the Robert H. Jackson Center, maybe wait a little bit, maybe a couple months, and uh, take a visit later this spring. I would you... say come, come early, come often. Oh, that's yeah, true. Yeah, we don't have to wait. You don't have to wait, <laughs> but if you really, if, I, if you're someone like me and loves historic houses and historic structures, this is definitely is something you'll want to see. So, well, Kristen, if you, if you have nothing else to add, I'm so glad that you were able to come in today and, and visit in person and looking forward to the rest of the programming that you have coming up for 2022. That's great. I feel like I should also mention that all of our programming is free, so it is open to the public. Uh, we do often require registration for things just so we know how many people to expect. So you can find the information on the Jackson Center website www.robertHJackson.org slash events is a good place to go to see what all we have planned. You can also find it on our homepage, though. Just scroll towards the bottom. And uh, really hope that uh, the public comes out and sees some of what we're doing. Robert H. Jackson President Kristen McMahon, thank you for being on Community Matters. Thank you very much, Julia.